<coughs> good to be here again and uh, good to be able to worship with all of you. Um, let, me, let me say a quick prayer for us uh, as we get into the word. Father, we thank you for just your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come together to church just to, to praise you, to worship you, just to sing praises to your name and to be able to now just go into your word and to think about just how amazing your gospel is, how amazing Christ is, and how blessed we are as your people. And we pray today that as we delve into your word that you would remind us of your faithfulness, of your love, of your kindness, and we pray that we would just respond with, with, with worship, with praise unto you as we just look to you and see the beauty of the gospel. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. So today we're in uh, the book of Luke. Um, you know, obviously we're in the Christmas season. I think you can even tell from some of the praise songs that we sang today. Uh, we're definitely in the Christmas season. I think we're only about less than two weeks away, about 13 days away from, from Christmas. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to preach today, so I told Pastor Francis I kind of wanted to preach a Christmas type of sermon. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. You know, uh, I know next week is obviously Christmas Sunday. And this passage here today, it's a very, it's a very well-known passage, right? Uh, Luke chapter 2, it's, you know, it's part of this whole, you know, Christmas story, the nativity scene. And, and I think it's probably very familiar to a lot of you. If you've grown up in the church, if you've been in the church for a long time, you know, these stories, probably every December, right, you hear sermons about it. You, maybe you read the Bible and you read it or, you know, you hear, or maybe you've seen Christmas plays and, the whole nativity scene, and so it's, it's a very familiar story to us, and yet I think it is a story that's just important to look at again and again and again because it is, it's the birth of our Savior. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I think Christmas, you know, sometimes we get caught up during Christmas, right? It's Christmas season. We get caught up with, you know, meeting up with family. We get caught up, obviously, with, you know, Christmas gifts and, you know, presents, Christmas cards, getting gifts, you know, giving gifts, getting cards, giving cards, you know, making different, you know, family functions or with friends. And so we have all these things going on usually at Christmas, maybe we're going on vacation, and these are all good things, but sometimes I think we forget what, what, what Christmas is truly about. We forget that obviously Christmas is about Christ. It's about the birth of our Savior. It's about how, you know, God the Father, right, sent his one and only son into this world um, to live, to die for sinners like us, for his people. It's, and it, is, it is a beautiful thing. It is a message that obviously leads us to adore him, to praise him, as we see these angels doing here in this passage, as they sing glory, glory to God in the highest. And so I want today just to look a little bit at this passage and to think about what, what the gospel is, what the gospel means, what the birth of Christ means for us, and hopefully just to respond with, with praise, just to respond with worship, to, to really treasure these things and to give God the glory. And so today I want to just kind of, before we get in, I guess into the point, just want to think about, think about the scene. Right? Think about the scene. I mean, Jesus has just been born. In verse 7, the verse before our passage today, yeah, you know, Luke actually writes that she, that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Right? So Jesus 
right? He's in Bethlehem, right? You know, Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem uh, because of the whole census, and so they're in Bethlehem, and Jesus is born. And obviously, he's not born in a palace that you would think for a king. He's not born in a nice place. He's actually born in a manger, right? There's no place. He probably, it was probably overcrowded in Bethlehem because of a lot of people that were there. And so they had nowhere to go. So they're in the manger. Jesus was born. It's a very humble birth in many ways, right, in terms of, I guess, the world's view. But right after that birth, we have this scene. It's an incredible scene. We have these shepherds who are in the field. They're watching over the flock. Now, most likely, scholars say, you know, most of the shepherds are probably sleeping. There were probably a couple awake, keeping, you know, keeping watch at night. And, you know, it's probably dark, like country dark. And I think sometimes, you know, when we, you know, when we're, you know, these days, I don't think we know what dark even means, right? Because there's always a light on somewhere. But I don't think if you've ever been in the middle of the woods and it's like really dark and there's trees everywhere. I mean, it's dark. It's actually kind of scary how dark it can really be. You can't even see the person right next to you unless there's some kind of light or, you know, a fire or something like that. And so it's probably really dark and an angel of the Lord appears. But not only does the angel appear, it says in the passage that the glory of the Lord shone around them, right? So we see just the glory of God. We see an angel of the Lord appearing, the glory of the Lord, Lord is shining. It is like an amazing, and in the darkness, here comes this bright light, right? The glory of the Lord is shining, and they're afraid. I mean, how could you not be afraid? I would be afraid in that kind of context. But then we hear an amazing message, which we just heard, read, right, where the angel says, what? Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all the people. He's talking about Christ. Christ has been born. Right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he gives them a sign. Right? They're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And at that point, after this message is given, we see a picture. Right? It's hard for me to even imagine it. But what he says is that this one angel is then surrounded by a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And they sing, you know, I mean, well, they don't sing. They, they say uh, these famous words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So I, I want you to picture this, right? In the darkness, here comes an angel, right, with the glory of the Lord shining. And all of a sudden, after this amazing message of the birth of our Savior, Christ the Lord, we have all a host, a multitude of angels just together. I mean, I don't even know what this looked like. It was probably amazing what this looked like. And they're proclaiming glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. And when you think about an army, when you think about a host, you usually think about war, right? When you have an army, right, a multitude, you think about not peace, you think about war. And yet here is the host of angels proclaiming peace. Peace on earth, glory to God. Amazing message. And then the angels disappear. And the shepherds, they decide they want to visit the baby. They want to see Jesus. They want to know who you know, they were talking about. So they go. Obviously, they see the baby. And then they want to share about you know, the birth of Christ, and they want to praise the Lord. We see Mary also treasures these things and ponders them. And then we see shepherds glorifying, praising God. It's like an incredible scene. It's, it's, it's a beautiful scene. 
as we hear in this passage. And as we look at this passage, very famous passage, I want to say a few things about the gospel, and that's really, I know usually you have three points, I have four points, they're short points, so hopefully it won't take too long, but there's four things I wanted to say today. First, I want to say the gospel is for sinners, the gospel is good news for sinners. Secondly, the gospel brings us joy and peace. Thirdly, the gospel unites his people, it brings the people together, and lastly, the gospel leads to praise to adoration, to worship. And so I want to start with the gospel is good news for sinners. Now, when you look at this passage, it's actually a very surprising thing. After Jesus is born, there is an announcement about his birth. But think about who this announcement is given to. It's not given to the emperor. It's not given to a king. It's not given to rich people or well-to-do people. or It's not even given to the high priests or the Sadducees. It's not even given to the Pharisees or the religious, some of the religious leaders of the day or the scribes. Right? It's not given to anybody of particular importance. It's not given to anybody that people looked up to. Actually, the announcement is given to shepherds. Now, shepherds were not respected people. Now, I know sometimes I think we think, Obviously, we know God loves shepherds, and we, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd. We think about David, who is a shepherd, right? I mean, this, shepherds are, there's an importance to that. However, let me actually read this from one, one, uh, one commentary. It says, the shepherds of Palestine were considered to be the lowest class of people. Right? The nature of their calling prohibited them from, from frequent participation in the religious rituals of their day, and their were discriminating practices against them with respect to the law courts where a shepherd was not permitted to give testimony. They were considered to be so unscrupulous and untrustworthy that their testimony was of little value. But although their contemporary society hated them, it seems that they held a special place in the heart of God. And here's the thing we see here. Shepherds were the lowest class of people. They were, you know, they were looked down upon. They were probably despised. I mean, they were dirty, obviously. They're working outside. You know, they probably they might have smelled. But also, because they were around a lot of animals, they were around sometimes unclean or dead animals, and so they would become what you would call ceremonially unclean, which means they could not even go to the temple often to worship. And so it's interesting because scholars will say that most likely the sheep that they were watching were probably the sheep that was used in the temple for sacrifices. And yet, these shepherds themselves could not go to the temple for that purpose because they were probably ceremonially unclean. So they can't go to the temple, and people didn't trust them. They were known to be liars. They were known to be, you know, people that were not trustworthy. You know, there were people saying, you know, like that maybe sometimes sheep would steal other people's sheep, but they want to liberate someone else's sheep, right, or bringing them to, into their flock. And they were not trusted. They could not even be a witness. They could not even testify in a court of law. And so shepherds but were not impressive people. They were looked at as low class and really as sinners. And so why do we share that? Because I think there's a purpose there. I think God is reminding us who is the good news for. It's not for the righteous, right? It's for sinners. And, you know, Jesus even says that he didn't come for the righteous, but he came for sinners. 
And obviously, we know nobody in is truly righteous. Nobody is not a sinner. And yet, a lot of people, a lot of times, we think we are righteous. We think we're not that bad. We think we're better than others. And it is a reminder. All of us, actually, are very sinful. All of us are sinners in need of a Savior. And who is the good news for? Who did Jesus come for? Jesus came for sinners, sinners like me, sinners like you. I think when we look at a shepherd, at least in those days, everybody knew that's a sinner. But maybe when you look at a Pharisee, maybe when you look at the high priest, maybe when you look at some well-to-do people, people might have thought, oh, they're a little more righteous. And there's a reminder to all of us, none of us are righteous. None of us are good. We are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. But without Christ, we have no hope, right? We are dirty. We are filthy. We are sinful. And we are headed towards condemnation, really. And that is why God sent his son. That is why Christ came into the world for sinners, to save sinners. And so it's a reminder to us, who is the gospel for? It's for sinners. And if you take, and if you're a member of this church, you know the membership vows, you pretty much have already declared it, that you're a sinner, that I'm a sinner. But there is nobody here that is righteous. We are in need of a Savior, and that is why Christ has come. So The gospel is for sinners, but the gospel, this good news, brings joy. It brings peace. You look at our passage today. It's, it's an awesome thing that the angel says. right? He, he's, the angel starts by saying, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. There will be for all the people. I bring you goodness of great joy. And they talked about who Jesus is, right? And how this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, right? He's, he's been born. And then, obviously, later in verse 14, in this glorious saying, the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the, and the thing about this is, this peace, this peace of God, it's a peace of salvation that God gives us through his son. But we know that because God is holy, right, and we are sinful, obviously there is that chasm, right? We become enemies of God, and we are deserving of, obviously, the wrath of God. But we know because of what Christ has done for his people, right, for sinners in need of a Savior, we know that now, when we trust in the work of Christ, we have peace with God. Right? We have the peace of salvation. We are able right, to be God's children. We are able to be forgiven, loved people of God. But also because we have peace with God, now we can experience the peace of God. And we can experience his blessings. But also, when we know the gospel, there is not just peace. There is joy. Right? There is joy because of the good news. Because if you think about it, when we understand where we were, when we understand that we were sinners with no hope, and when we understand what Jesus has actually done for us to take us out of our condemnation, take us out of our misery, to give us freedom, to give us forgiveness, to give us salvation, to give us a relationship with him so we could have eternal life with him. When we think about how amazing the gospel is, how can we not have joy, right? It is an amazingly joyous thing. 
you know, sometimes I think about times in my life where I felt just incredible joy. You know, growing up, when, you know, when your sports team, right, wins something, right, when I'm a Giants fan, when the Giants win the Super Bowl, right, you feel joy, right? You know, when you, you know, when you're a student and you get an A, right, or you get a hundred, right, you, you, you feel a certain sense of joy. You know, when it's your birthday, when you get a present that you really like, right, you, you, you feel joy. Obviously, you know, when, when I got engaged and I got married, I remember just, just a sense of joy when you, when I, you know, when your children are born. Right, you just, it's just it's such a joy. You know, I remember when my daughter was born. The, the, I mean, I just I started crying, right when 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 she came, you know she was born, and I didn't expect that. I didn't think that would happen. But what you just feel all these different things, and you feel so much joy, right? Because these are incredible things that are happening. But even better than all of those things, or whatever else we can name, the joy that we have in Christ, knowing who we are as sinners, and what Christ has done for me. And for us, and now how we have salvation, how we have a relationship with him, eternal life with him. These are things that should give us incredible joy in our hearts. Even when life is hard. Even when life is a struggle. I remember as a kid, this one moment really stuck with me. And I remember it was, I was probably like maybe seven years old. Uh, you know, our, our family had just immigrated from Korea, and we were actually, remember we were in St. Louis. And my mother was, you know, she had decided to make, you know, kimchi, right? She was making kimchi, and she didn't do that for too long. She started buying it, right? But I think in St. Louis, I think it might have been hard to find it back then. So I remember she was making it, and she cut herself, and she started bleeding, like, a lot. And I remember the first thought I had, it's like a bad thought, I remember thinking, Mom, you know, your blood is red, kimchi is red. Right now, we don't know, right? Like, we don't know what's going on in there, right? But I remember my mom started crying, and she started, like, shaking. And so I didn't know what to do. Because, you know, you, when you're seven years old, your mom is, like, superwoman. You don't really think of her as crying or shaking or being in pain. And so she said, go get me a towel. I went to the bathroom. I got her a towel, and she was wrapping it. And, you know, it was, and she was in a lot of pain. And then all of a sudden, she stopped, and she looked at me, and she said something that made no sense to me seven-year-old, she said, as I was looking at this, this blood gushing out of you know, my hand, my, well, not gushing, it's pouring out of my hand, I was reminded of what Christ did for me on the cross, bleeding for me, and I, you know, then she just felt really blessed. I remember thinking as a seven-year-old, thinking, my mom's got problems, right? <laughs> She's bleeding, why is she talking about Jesus, you know, what is she even talking about? But as I got older, I, that memory stuck with me, I remember thinking, that's an awesome thing. Even as she's just bleeding, even as she's in pain, it reminded her of her Savior who went through an incredible amount of pain to die for her. And even in, in that, it gave her joy even in the midst of her pain, her suffering. And I think it's a reminder for us. The gospel is for sinners like us. And because of that, yes, we have peace with God and we have joy. The gospel gives us joy. But... The gospel is not just for sinners. It doesn't just give us peace and joy. The gospel unites us. It brings us together as his people. Now, when you look at this passage, here's what we see. We see shepherds, the lowest class people, considered sinners, right, untrustworthy. And then the next picture we see are angels, right? You see angels, angels who... They're not even people. They're, they're, they have no sin, right? They don't, 
angels don't, they don't need a savior, right? But we see shepherds, and then we see angels praising God, and then we see Mary and Joseph, right? And obviously we know from, you know, other gospels, right, that we also have, you know, visiting Mary and Joseph and Jesus, we have the Magi, right, the wise men, they say, right, and they were Gentiles. So we have these low-class shepherds, we have angels, right, these heavenly beings, we have Magi, these Gentiles, coming from far away, we have Mary, we have Joseph. What do they have in common? What do they have in common? Nothing. The only thing that they have in common, the only thing that brings them together Christ, right? It's the birth of Christ. And I think it's a reminder for us, what brings us together? What unites us as the people of God? It's Jesus, right? Because I think for us, a lot of times, the things that bring us together are, you know, are many things. You know, it could be, you know, our ethnicity, right? It could be the food we like, right? It could be the town that we're from, right? It could be you know, the, the, the school that we went to, right? And if you think about it, those, these things do bring us together, right? Um, you know, if you share, right, an ethnic heritage, you feel a certain closeness with people in that same group, right? When you're from the same town, right? If you grew up somewhere, somebody else is from that same town, you, you feel a certain closeness, right? You go to the same college, you feel a certain closeness, right? Anytime, you know, I went to Binghamton, anytime I meet somebody from Binghamton, you know, there's like a, it's weird. It's like a certain, like, oh, like, we went to the same school. There's a certain... You feel something, right? And, you know, when you, if you have a sports team that you like and somebody else is rooting for them, automatically you feel a certain kinship. Okay, these are all good things. But as Christians, what is our fellowship based upon? What is our commonality? What truly brings us together? And obviously it is Christ. See, the church, if you think about it, it's interesting, right? Because if you, you know, if you look around this church, I'm sure there are certain people that are sitting here with us you think to yourself, you would be my friend no matter what. I like the way you think. I like the way you talk. But there are probably people in, in this room, if you didn't go to the same church, if you didn't have the same Savior, you would probably never be friends. There might even be people in this room that you probably might want to avoid in other contexts. I don't know, right? But the beauty of the church is there are people in this room, even though you probably have nothing in common with them, even though you probably in different contexts, we never talk to each other or even hang out together because Christ is at our center, we can have fellowship, right? We can be friends in that sense, that we can have a relationship in that sense, right? Because as Christians, what brings us together is Christ. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's something that we have to remember. I remember one time, uh, many years ago now, at a, you know, I was working with a bunch of college students, and you know, you know, it just, these things happen. Some of the some of the sisters, they got into a big argument, and they didn't like each other, right? And you know, they had been friends, and you know, there was some there was squabbling happening, and but the bad thing that happened was these few sisters that got into kind of a big argument, they were mad at each other, and they started talking to other people, and everybody started taking sides. Right, and so we had this drama. I remember thinking, man, like, why what, what, what so dramatic? People not liking each other, talking, you know, bad stuff, stuff about each other. And I said, you know what? I, I need to get involved. So I, I talked to a few of the sisters who were really upset, and I said, you know, what's going on? Why are you so angry? And I remember these, these sisters, like, they spent an hour just complaining and 
you know, sharing their hurts and sharing their anger. And I just listened for one hour. I remember, like, I didn't say a thing. I just nodded, and I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I said to myself, I need to say something. Like, I can't just listen to this whole thing. And I remember after that whole hour, I asked a simple question. I know you feel betrayed. I know you feel hurt. But what if, what if that was your sister or that was your brother who had done those things to you? Would you forgive them? And they said, well, yeah. I mean, I will forgive my own sister because she's family, she's blood, but I can't forgive those girls over there, right, because I'm so angry. And so then the next thing I said was, well, then what about this, though? You know, those sisters that you're mad at, they might not be your family, right, in the traditional sense, right, but Christ shed his blood for you and Christ shed his blood for them. We're family in Christ. So can you have it in your heart as you look at Jesus to forgive them? Now, I said this not knowing how the response would be to that, but I wanted to go there. And thankfully, you know, because these sisters, you know, were Christians, they, it made them think, and it made them, you know, reconsider at least, you know, their perspective on it. And I think the point I want to make today is this. Here, in this third point, the gospel is what brings us together. And so when we look at our church, when we look at our brothers and our sisters, and when we look at Christians, I guess, all over the world, we're reminded, this is my family. This is my family in Christ. And so as Christ has loved me and he has blessed me, I want to love my brothers and my sisters because what brings us together isn't anything else, really. At the end of the day, ultimately, it is Christ. And we are called to worship him together, to serve him together, and to love each other. And lastly, the gospel not you know, is for sinners. The gospel brings us joy and peace. The gospel unites us and brings us together. But really, the gospel leads us to worship and adore him. Right? Because the gospel is so amazing. You know, when we look at our passage, it's, we see it. We see first the angels. And they're praising God. Now, I want you to remember something here. These angels don't need a Savior, right? So it's not personal if you think about it in that sense for them because we need a Savior. But we need to be saved. We need to be forgiven. These angels, they're not sinners. so They don't even need a Savior. And yet, when they see Jesus, when they see who he is, when they see what he is about to do, what do they say? They say, glory to God in the highest, right? They're praising, they're glorifying him. And then when we look at our passage, what do we see? We see Mary, she treasures these things. She ponders them in her heart, right? It's so precious to her. And then in verse 20, the shepherds, having seen the angels and heard the message and having seen Jesus with their own eyes, they return glorifying and praising God all they heard and seen as it has been told to them. And also, not only are they praising, if you look at verse 17, then they also made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. Meaning, not only are they praising God, they're sharing 
the good news, right? They're telling others about also what they have seen because they can't hold it to themselves. They're so excited about what they've seen in Christ that they want to tell others about it as well. So they're praising God and they're sharing about it with others. We see these angels glorifying God. We see Mary treasuring these things inside our heart. So what is the response that we see in this passage over and over and over again? It's praise. It's adoration. It's worship. And I think for us, when we look at Christ, when we think about the fact that Christ came into this world to live and to die for sinners like us, and obviously to rise again, when we think about why he came on Christmas, when we think about who he is and all that he has done, honestly, what is the only response that we can have? It's adoration. It's praise. It's worship. Right? And we should be so excited. We want to share that message with others as well. And we want to tell people about Christ. But we should be so excited that we just want to worship him. That we want to ponder about it. And we want to meditate on it. And we want to give God the glory. Because what in this world is more glorious than that? You know, because we praise all the time. Right? When we see an amazing athlete, we, we might praise and be like, whoa, he or she is so good. When we see a work of art, we may look at the work of art and be like, wow, that is so amazing. Even in nature, when you see something amazing in nature, you go, wow, that is so awesome, so good to look at. And we praise things all the time. But what truly is more beautiful and more glorious than the gospel message? And so my hope, my prayer, is that during this Christmas season, right, when we Think about, again, the birth of our Savior. Let us remember these things. Let us remember that this gospel, Christ came for sinners, sinners like you and me. And because of that, we have peace with God, the peace of God, and we can be joyful thinking about this gospel. Let us say, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that you are the one that unites us. And we want to together give you praise. We want to give you worship we want to adore you for truly there is no one like you. And I hope that is our response this Christmas as we think about how amazing, how beautiful this good news is. Let's pray together.